Good morning, good morning, Change Point Northeast family and visitors, especially those of you who came to see that wonderful, wonderful child dedication. I'm not going to lie, I was a little jealous. I got a baby on the way, and I just, I so badly wanted to be up there expressing how much I love her already. She's not even here, and I think about her every day. So uh, congratulations to you all who are up here. Um, I know most of you, and I know that you're great parents, and God's going to work through you and help you to raise little Christian warriors of your own. And uh, we just thank you for your, your dedication to that. All right. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Keelan Miller. I am the youth pastor here at Change Point Northeast, and I'm also a deacon. And uh, I'm going to be sharing the message with you today, obviously. And we're finishing up Philippians, the book of Philippians, uh, one of Paul's letters to the Philippian church. So we'll be in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. For those of you who have your Bibles, I ask that you turn there as we finish out. This letter um, Paul writes to his Philippians. And in this, especially in this last passage of scripture, he's expressing his great joy and gratitude for having the Philippians who care for him and love him so much and who were there for him when he was in prison um, to send him gifts and provide for him in whatever way that they could. And we're just going to open up in prayer and then we'll just go right into scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for seeing enough in me, Lord, to use me as a vessel to share your word with these people today. I pray that in every way you allow allow me to remove myself from this time, from this situation, and use my mouth, use my heart, and use my mind to, to reach your children, Lord God, to reach everyone that is here, because it is a divine appointment that you have set forth Long before any of us existed, Lord God, you knew who would be here, where they would sit, and how they would be affected by this time. So I just thank you for that opportunity, and uh, open our hearts and minds and let us receive what it is that you have for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. We're going to read the entire passage, and then we'll go from there. Paul writes, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now, at last, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
So in that passage, we see that Paul is, is just greatly joyed by the Philippians and all that they have done for him. And he expresses that as he sends this letter back with Epaphroditus to them. And we also see another good concept, and it's the provision that God has shown throughout this text. And that's what I've titled my message today, The Great Provider. And we'll look at three, well, no, four. I actually found a fourth one sitting here this morning. Four ways that God was able to provide throughout this scripture. Starting in verse 10, God provided for Paul. We read in verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at least you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Again, we're reminded that Paul is in prison. He's probably in some small apartment, room, whatever. He's constantly shackled to somebody. If y'all didn't know that, they kept somebody to keep guard on him at all times. Paul was never left alone. He always had a guard with him. He had very little food and water. I mean, you think of a typical situation, Paul's was probably 10 times worse back in that time. And here he is saying that he has learned to be content in whatever situation he is in. Okay? That's, that's wisdom. Paul is expressing the wisdom that God has given him to know that he is able to be content in this situation of imprisonment. We look further in verse 12, and Paul's telling us what he knows. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. He said, I can be poor or I can be rich. I know how to do it. He says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. Who needs to know how to be rich? I mean, I'm sure none of us probably really are, but if we were, we, pretty got, we got a good idea how we're going to do it, right? You know, have a nice house, nice car, give a little bit to people, and just, just sit and be happy high off the hall. But Paul says he knew how to do that. I don't even know how to do that. Just give me the money. I got this, all right? Okay. <laughs> Paul says he knows how to be poor. I don't know how to be poor. I am spoiled. I grew up in a nice house. My mama loved me. Uh, I had to turn down gifts. I was like, no, I don't want that. I'm cool. I got stuff. I, so I really, I don't know how I would do being poor. Um, so if it ever happens, I'm going to be knocking on your door. Okay. <laughs> uh, but here again, Paul's saying that he knows. All right. The word knowledge, I looked it up. Knowledge means to be acquainted with facts, truth, or principles. Knowing that he should be content in his circumstances will do Paul no good, okay, just to know how. A homeless man can tell me how to be poor. Well, you get this newspaper, you stuff it in your shoes to stay warm, you put a little under your arms, and you sleep here, you sleep there. That does not mean I would survive one day being homeless in Anchorage, okay, at all. But Paul's saying that he knew these things. Paul was blessed with wisdom that can only come from God. It says right in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He took what he knew and he applied it to his horrible situation, okay? And that's what God blessed him with. He couldn't have got that wisdom from anywhere else, okay? Paul says he learned to be content in his circumstances. And again, where did this come from? I think all of you would agree when I say Christ Jesus himself, because the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus is the perfect example of what it means to be content in circumstances. Paul had it bad, but he didn't have it nearly as bad as Jesus Christ. 
Because before Paul was saved, he was a sinner. So it may almost be safe to say that Paul, in some extent, deserved the circumstances he was going through. But Jesus, absolutely not. Jesus was perfect. He was holy. He never sinned. He never even had to apologize for anything he ever said or did. That is one of the examples I love to use about Jesus Christ. He never had to say sorry. I am constantly saying sorry. I forget stuff. I say wrong things. I hurt people. I offend people. You have to apologize. Everybody does. Jesus Christ never had to. He was perfect. But here he is, a perfect man on this earth, being accused of being a sinner, a false prophet, of of harming people. He never did any of that. Everything he did was for the people that loved him and the people that hated him. Yet he still suffered death on the cross. So Paul has that perfect example in how to be content in his circumstances. And we see that throughout the whole New Testament. Paul is constantly talking about the life that he lives in Christ. Do as you see in me, as I do as I see in Christ. Paul is constantly giving us that example because he was able to live that life. Okay. And then he speaks in verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That statement is the secret that Paul mentions in the second part of verse 12. But why is it a secret? Because a lot of people don't understand it. They don't get it. People who aren't saved, especially. All too often, I run into Christ followers that don't fully trust in the sovereignty of God. In times of tribulation, they feel like God isn't going to provide for them, and they just try to take matters into their own hands. Other believers feel like it's a, I can do whatever I want, and God's going to get me through it, Pass. Example being this. I'm Keelan Miller pretty decent football player. I'm quick, got good hands, I can catch. So uh, yeah, I don't think the Air Force is providing enough for me. I'm going to go try out for the NFL. I'm going to work as hard as I can, get real, real good, live, get strong, and I'm going to go try out for the NFL. And that way I can provide for people with all my abundance, all my millions. Never mind the fact that I weigh 165 pounds on a fat day. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, please. Peyton Manning can knock me out if he wanted to, okay? And that's the, that's the road that a lot of people take. I can do all things through him who strengthens me means that you can get through whatever situation you're in. It doesn't mean go jump into a situation and know that God's got your back. No. He ain't tell you to do that. You're about to get through this on your own. You got into it, you're going to have to get out. That is not what that scripture means. And that's why it's a secret because there's an understanding to it that people sometimes just do not get. And again, Paul is expressing his wisdom, his knowledge, what he understands, what God has blessed him with, how Jesus Christ has blessed him with that wisdom. Okay. And this secret is given to us as believers along with the Holy Spirit because that's where that strength comes from that he's talking about the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, when our flesh just can't take it no more, that's when the Spirit takes in and it just gets us through. And as Christians, we should know that God does not promise us freedom from trials. Sadly, a lot of the people that preach the gospel today, that is what they're offering. God's got a wonderful plan for you. Life is going to be so good for you if and when you get saved. You don't have to worry no more. You don't have to cry no more. There's no more hurt, no more pain. That's not true. 
Don't believe that lie. God does not offer us freedom from hard times. He doesn't offer us cupcakes and rainbows in exchange for our prayers and obedience. But what does he tell us? He tells us that no matter what, he is going to be there for us. Because Paul was obedient. We see that all throughout scripture. Even when he was threatened, he knew going into the marketplace and preaching the gospel was going to get him beaten stone. We see it in Acts, Acts 14, 16. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having their crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. That was just in Acts 14. It happens again in Acts 16. And it continues on throughout Scripture. Paul is constantly going out, preaching the gospel, knowing that doing so is going to get him hurt, harmed, dangered, killed, whatever. But he was obedient in that because he was doing what he knew he was supposed to do as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And he knew that that was right and that Christ would get him through that. Not some pipe dream that he decided to chase thinking that God's going to help him because he feels like it's a good idea. Going on down to verse 13, 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. The Philippians share with Paul. In chapter 1, around verse 4 or 5, he also tells them that you were partners with me in the gospel. Paul right here has a family. This is something else that God blessed him with. He was given a family, people that cared about him regardless of where he was or what he was going through. Greg uses a, a word, I don't know, it, corner, correct me, cornicea? Cornania, a family, a group of like-minded people on mission together, striving for the same purpose. And in that case, it was the gospel for the Philippians and for Paul. They were a family. And they provided for Paul when they had very little to give. We read it in Corinthians, the, the churches in Thessalonica and churches in Philippi, they were poor. They were given from very little. They didn't have nothing to give. And yet they still sought him out and helped him out in his time of need. And that brings me to my next point. God provided through the Philippians. He provided for Paul through the Philippians. We go back to verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at least you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Concern, that's a matter of the heart. He knew that his family was concerned about him and that they wanted to help him and be there for him. Verse 15, you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. They were the only ones. The Philippian church loved Paul. They were the only ones that gave to him, the only ones that were looking out for his best interests. And I think it's safe to say that we all know what that's like. We all know what it's like to be loved, hopefully. If you don't, come to me. I will hug you today. But everybody in this room should know what love is like. We all have moms. Nothing beats a mother's love except for God's. Okay? But let's take a step back. We also know what it feels like to long for somebody to love and to care about us. And I think that that's a horrible feeling to have when you just feel so lonely, like nobody cares about me. And at some point, if we're saved, I think it's safe to say that we have all been there because that's what brought us to our salvation. We had a God-sized hole that our, our husbands couldn't fill, our wives couldn't fill. 
our parents couldn't fill, our friends couldn't fill. We were searching for whatever it was to fill this hole, and it just wasn't working. So where did that bring us? To our knees. And that is when God called us to our salvation. And he called us. Why? Because we were looking for that call. He called and we answered. So we all know what it's like to feel longing for someone or somewhere else. And I assure you, Paul had that. The man was in prison. He had nothing, nobody. So God provided through the Philippians. They provided love. And he also provided gifts. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. They were constantly giving. But I've received everything in full, verse 18, but I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Out of love and obedience, the Philippians gave to Paul. Not out of their riches, not out of their ability to do so. It says in Scripture, it was 10 years before they even had the opportunity to give to him again. Your concern for me was revived. They had that opportunity. Okay? They exemplified the words that Paul spoke in chapter 2, where he says, do all things, do nothing, there we go, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Okay? And apparently they did it well, because he says, I am amply supplied. He didn't say, oh, I got a little bit, this is going to last me for you know, a little while. No, he said amply. They probably gave Paul enough for Paul to give to whoever he encountered while he was in prison. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. That means it was great. It wasn't just measly fruits, vegetables, whatever it is that they sent him. It was an acceptable sacrifice to God. It was great in every way. And it probably took them a lot to provide that and to give that up to him which makes it a sacrifice. He provided through the Philippians. He provided love. He provided gifts. Next point. God will provide for the Philippians. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. In this verse, Paul is expressing how excited he is, not about what they did for him, but about what God is going to do for them because of their generous giving. That brought him more joy than any gift that they could, get, they could ever give him. He was just happy to know that, man, y'all were so obedient and loving and giving to me that I know that this is going to increase to your account. I know that God is going to bless you abundantly for blessing me. Verse 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs, all being the inclusion of everything, the exclusion of nothing. Paul knows that God is going to meet all their needs. And not in a way that we think would be meeting their needs, not in the small ways that we think here on earth. But it says, according to his greatness, according to the riches of his glory. Now we think about God's riches, or we try to. I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. I try to, and I just, I can't. Because our minds are so stuck here on earth. The things that we think are good, 
Man, God's like, got that. That's, I got so much better than that. We can't even imagine what that's like. And he's saying that God is going to provide for the Philippians according to his riches. That's far beyond this world. He's going to provide for them in the kingdom. Okay, they're storing up their treasures in heaven by providing for Paul, by giving to Paul, by being obedient, by loving. And last point, something I came upon this morning as I just sat here. God provided through Paul. Okay, so we have he provided for Paul through the Philippians, and in turn, he's going to provide for the Philippians. But he also provided through Paul. We read in verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So apparently there were people there that were like-minded with Paul because they were sending their love back to the Philippians. They were witnesses to the obedience of the Philippians in their giving and their love for Paul and the sacrifices that they made for him. So in some way, Paul was able to affect those who were around him even though he was in prison. The people of Caesar's household were finding God, were getting saved, and they were sending that same love right back to the Philippians. So he provided through Paul, not for the Philippians, but for other people. His dedication, his, his sacrifice, his contentment in his situation opened the eyes of people who were against him at one point. God used him to call the lost, the lost people in Caesar's household, and to bring them to his glory. To sum it up, what does that mean for you? I have a couple questions that we're all going to look at personally that I want you to ask yourself and just take a look into it. First question, am I content in my circumstances? We live in a very, very, very discontent culture, which makes no sense because we are one of, if not the richest country on the planet. We as Americans have so much. We went to Trinidad on a mission trip, my wife and I, and uh, they're some of the happiest people I ever encountered. And they got very little. Most of them don't even wear shoes. When they give you servings of food, I mean, there's, there's so much space on the plate, you don't even know if you got anything to eat because you see more plate than you see food. But these people are happy, man. These kids, they were just... They felt like they had everything. All of them were good at musical instruments because they didn't have TV and the Internet and all these great things to do. So they played music together. I I, I pick any kid. He could pick up a guitar, a drum, anything, and they they could do it. They were content in their circumstances. Am I? Do I complain? Yes, I am guilty. I do complain. Do I feel like I don't have enough sometimes? Sadly, yes. But that should not be the case at all because I have an abundance. I have a a church, a warm church to come to every Sunday, a family of believers who love me, and I know that at any given time I could ask somebody in here for something, and y'all would help me out or find somebody that could. What do I have to complain about? Even more so, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I need some of Paul's wisdom 
to shut my mouth when I feel like I need to complain. I have no room for it. How dare I complain? Next question. Am I a partner in the gospel with Paul and the Philippians? Are we legally persecuted and imprisoned for sharing our faith? No, not right now. Sadly, I feel like it's going that way. But that's not the case right now. So are we doing it? Are we going out and evangelizing? Are we telling people about the secret? Like, psst, hey, let me tell you something. You know what you're going through? You can make it. You want to know how? Is that what we're doing? Is that our mission in life? Because if we're not doing it now, we can do it freely. I don't even want to know what it's going to be like when we are persecuted because the time is coming. I guarantee you the time is coming where we will be persecuted for our faith and for sharing what we believe and for just saying the name Jesus Christ. So the time is now. We went to a D6 Ministries conference, and they made a good point. We should encounter people, save or not, as if there's only 20 minutes left. We got 20 minutes to share Jesus Christ with everybody we encounter, and that's it. If you only had 20 minutes right now, what is it that you would be doing? How would you spend those last 20 minutes? Looking out for yourself? Or are you going to go out and try to get as many people as you can? The world's coming to an end. But you don't have to. There's an eternity for you. Next question. Do I love my brothers and sisters and those in need? The Thanksgiving blessing is this week. And I feel like this goes perfect with verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have a heart to give in some form or fashion. It doesn't have to be money because I'm sure we don't all have money to just give away. But time, time we do have. And if we don't, we can make time. Knowledge. There's a lot of handy men in this room, uh, point men. We go all throughout the city and we do things for widows and disabled people. They have knowledge on how to fix pipes, fix electricity, knock out a wall and rebuild it again. And I'm sure there's people in here that have that knowledge too. But are you sharing that with people? Are you using that to benefit those in need, to benefit your brothers and sisters? Or is that just something you just, oh, no, I know how to do that. I'm, I'm handy, but... I'm not going to help anybody. And lastly, am I lovingly and sacrificially blessing others with my gifts? They kind of go hand in hand. If I was rich, if I was a millionaire, somebody asked me for money and I just gave them $1,000, they probably would reject it because they knew I had so much more. That, that didn't hurt you. I don't want this. You're just, no, that's, that's pity. That's a pity donation. Are we sacrificially giving? I have very, very little time for me in the week because I put myself out there. I, I do for people. I try hard. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. My wife is like, you're never at home. <laughs> okay? Because I don't, I don't have money to give, but I got time. I can help kids. I can go out. I can... I can give my time. Are we doing the same for others? Should God give to us according to his riches if we're not giving to others according to our riches? 
And simply put, just as the series says, is your life being poured out? Are you putting yourself in a position to where you have got to get down on your knees and pray because you are emptying yourself almost to the point beyond repair for the sake of other people? Are you that tired, drug out, and broke for the sake of other people, not for yourself, but for others? To the point where you have to have that wisdom that Paul had, knowing that God's going to get you through your situation, that the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen you. Because that's what we're here for. Jesus is not here. He can't walk the earth. He can't heal the sick. He can't pray for others. He left us here to do that. That is our mission. Preach the word to every corner of the earth. That is what we're here for. And I say we should all be doing it. I encourage you all to do it. Happily, lovingly, sacrificially, knowing that everything you do here is stored up in heaven and God is going to repay you. God will not be in your debt. Proverbs 19.17 says to lend to somebody in need. You're lending. And because it says right after, God will repay you. He will. He promises that. So don't give afraid like, oh, $20,000 check. No, give it. Knowing that God's going to pour it out for you in a way that you don't have room enough to receive. So my last words for you today, family, are just pour your life out. Because God's going to pour into you every time you do. Thank you.